Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Hey, Sally. Catherine. Tell me how you're doing because I have to pull your level up and I want to stand. <laughs> okay. So this will be a soundtrack. Yeah, I uh, had the, the level up and then the level down because that's not, yeah. Sometimes and you I need pull to it back tweak up. it. It's cool. Yeah. Um, on my way here, I was walking on the sidewalk behind a woman who was pushing a baby carriage and a small child on a razor scooter. Okay. And I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the the child on the scooter was ramming into the carriage, but like and I was like, "Ooh, he's going to get in trouble," but it turned out that actually it was like a game and then she was like ramming him with the scooter. And I was like, "You know, you all know we live in a society, right? Like I am <laughs> I am walking behind you." And also there's a tiny baby in your carriage it was just it was like a really intense situation i i would uh i will straight up um not move for a child right? who is a boy because mm -hmm. the girl's like you're gonna you know you'll you'll learn enough yeah. that you're worthless in society <laughs> right um yeah they just they don't move and they got to learn to move age five and up yeah maybe two i yeah. can forgive yeah i mean because when you're like when you're two you're kind of like still a blob and you're not that like self-aware nah. but just to take up more time before we get to our actual show. Oh, please, yes. Um, I was in the elevator in my building, and it was like in the morning on the way to work, and it was like this guy in my building and his son, who's like maybe eight, mm -hmm. and I dropped my Metro card, and I was like, oh, shoot, don't want to lose that, and I like bent over and picked it up, and the guy was like, the, ma the adult man was like, yeah, right, like don't want to lose that, and his kid was oh, no. like... Ha ha ha! You're so funny. Ha ha ha! To like, you? Yeah, to me. And oh his, and, no! <laughs> and his father was like mortified and was like trying to quiet him down. And I was just like, I mean, he did it the entire elevator. Elevator. He was just being sarcastic. Yeah. Like how? He was. He was just being like, ha 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 ha. ha. And I was like, and you know the elevator in my building, yes, Catherine. Yes, it's, it's small. It's small and it's slow. Oh so gosh. that was like a full minute of enduring. I was like, I'm being bullied by a seven year old. Or and something. did the dad say anything? He was trying to quiet him down, but the kid was being such a brat. And wow. uh, it's unbelievable. Like, here I am, 30 years older than this child, and I'm being bullied by a small white boy. You know, it's those kids that grow up to be Donald Trump, though. I mean, he needs to be disciplined. Right. I agree. And, you know, that's a that's a really, it's an instinct. You know, somebody was talking, you know, listen, first of all, tweet at us. At, <laughs> we'll talk about this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com if you have a question. Put um, the subject line in. Oh, do you need me to move that? Sorry, yeah. Do you mind? Yeah. I just need a little more. Oh, yeah, sorry. Slack. Thank you. There we go. Uh-oh. Oh, See, oh shit. Sorry. Oh, that, that's sorry my, that's my fault. Here, let me just do this real quick. Hey, listeners, uh, this is what happens when we're trying to organize the headphones. Just a little, a few a technical little things happening at yeah. Struggle Bus Depot. Be right back. I and, picked uh, a pretty bad time to tug on the no. cord to my microphone. Uh, see, I, you see, and I didn't set up very well because I was sort of in a rush. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's just keep all this. We can't hear yeah, each other right now. We'll keep it. No, can't hear a damn thing. Can't hear a da There we go. Where, where's yours? You guys, we're, we're breaking gonna, the fourth wall. We can maybe cut this. You're going to see behind the it scenes. It has gone on for a full couple minutes. What am I doing? It's okay. okay. There we go. Ready? They're seeing how the sausage is made. Uh, okay. Do you have enough slack? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank Ready? you. And Sorry about back. that. And no, no, no. I have to get a new one of these things. Next time I yank the cord on my microphone, I'll tell you to pause recording. Well, not only are you wearing Mika Brzezinski's headphones and her, the microphone that she spoke into, oh, but God. she too, when she put the headphones on, she's like, I can't hear myself. And oh. I'm like, that's because the thing's broken. Oh, Mika. Lean in. We have so much of your value. <laughs> yeah, she was correct. You guys are so similar. All right. Uh, email us at yes. strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question, put that in the subject line. Do you have a question? Because if you want to join our secret Facebook group, it's the same email, but write in the subject line that you want to join the Facebook group. Make the email separate or else uh, we will get confused. Uh, Instagram.com slash strugglebuspod. Use the hashtag... Hashtag strugglepodbudsport20 to find a struggle buddy. Strugglebuspodcast.com to become a member and get bonus episodes. We're recording very soon, mm -hmm. next week. Sure are. Um, what else do they get besides monthly bonus episodes and an access to a vault of 15 existing ones? Sally. Catherine, they get a card in the mail that says never ride alone. It's the size of a business card. It's struggle bus yellow. And it's just a little memento from us to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's worth... 
all the money in the world yeah. and it only costs you five bucks. And again, if you uh, want to join the Facebook group, that is free. Mm-hmm. And that's a safe space sport group where we show each other animal photos. Indeed. I don't think I explained that earlier. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Hell. Or back to what I was saying. Yes. Okay. So Masha Gessen was talking recently, mm-hmm. as you do. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, so is Trump's bullying genius? Is this a strategy? Does he know he's acting like an autocrat? Does mm-hmm. he know this? And she said, no, no, these things are instinctual. Think about the bullies on the playground. These kids just know I'm going to do this. And so not saying that simplifying his behavior, but understanding that kids doing that, that's not okay. You have to intervene. Mm -hmm. And when I see parents not intervening, I get very mad. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's just over and over again, they learn that it's okay. I can't imagine being a small child and feeling like it was okay to make fun of an adult. No. But that, like, this kid, it's like this. Well, not to their face. (laughs) Obviously, behind their back. But like, this kid is, is like maybe eight, and he already is like exercising dominion over all that he surveys. Yeah. But also, he's not that funny either. It wasn't even that funny. It's like, is that all you got? Because like when I have taught kids and they're like wise asses, sometimes they're really funny. And I'm like, props. Yeah. Like that's a good one. Well, but this kid wasn't even like funny. A good joke is appreciated by myself as well. But that's aggressive and weird. And yeah, like, it was like mean. mean. Yeah. It was mean, right? Yeah. I thought you were going to say that you dropped your metric card and the kid picked it up. And you were like, ah, <laughs> the kids these days. What no. a world. Opposite. Yeah. Opposite of that. Gosh, that's terrible. Uh, yeah. It was pretty bad. Uh what is the generation? What are you called if you're eight years old right now? Oh, oh, they have a um the the foundation or something. Oh, I have shit. to look it up. That yeah, sounds like a cult. The foundation. It, it, it might very well be. Um, yeah. Hey, you know what? We should probably officially get into opening jibber jabber. Why not? And continue to talk. Yes, let's. All right. Yeah, this thing I have says if you're born between 1995 and 2012, you're called I Gen or Gen Z. Stop it. Yeah. What? That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're getting lazy with yeah. the uh, the names. generation naming. But yeah. uh, either way, this kid was a little punk. I gen. Yeah, I mean, little punk. We'll just call him that. We'll just call it the, the, the punk little generation. punk generation. Well, but that's like a compliment because punk is another punk is is a cool. movement. Yeah. Um, the little the little brats. Little brats. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there are some eight-year-olds out there who are super great, but not the one in my building, if you're listening. <laughs> Of course he is. Um, yeah, no, I uh, jibber jabber. Let's let's chat. Let's do it. Do you want to talk about your jibs and jabs first? Yeah, I'll go. Cool. So I was recently wallowing. Mm. As I've talked about last week, I'm having a little sitch. I mean, I'm fine. You're but, fine. You know, look, but- you guys, like everyone goes through things. It doesn't mean that like, like – I don't want to pathologize like going through a thing and having a hard time. And I, I'm okay. But even if I wasn't okay, I don't want to feel like if I say I'm going through a thing, everyone's going to think that something, God damn it, <laughs> something, something terrible happened. Um, it's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, when you came over, I was like, I'm in the middle of an almost panic attack. And then you gave me flowers. Yeah, I did. And, and they were super pretty. So I figured I'd, what the hell? Yeah. So you are going anyway, through. Anyway, so I'm going through a thing. And uh, I was talking to, Andrea had a friend over yesterday. And I was just talking about how I was wallowing. And she was like, you need a really good psych up song. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I need a psych up song to like listen to. And then I thought about, we talked, I think we talked about this on the podcast. Or maybe I've only talked about it in my real life. Um the concept of just pretending you're Don Draper. Yes, drapering. Drapering. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I basically made a playlist that is for drapering. Can you give me an example? Yeah. So I have the song of the week and I'm a little torn. Um, so right now it's only like six songs long, but one is the classic I Love It, which, as you know, is one of my favorite Iconopop. drapering songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't Stop Believin'. Mm. Ray of Light by Madonna. Yes. Here I Go Again by White Snake. Stop it. <laughs> Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> and I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Oh, my. That is the neo-futurist. That is sort of their go-to. Uh, they have sort of an inside joke somehow. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is. Maybe it isn't. But um, I love that song. It's a really good song. So I listened <sighs> to that like 50 times today. And, um, you know, when people tell you to fake it till you make it, Like sometimes you want to just like give them the finger and be like, that's not a thing because I'm too broken to fake it. Mm -hmm. And then other times you aren't too broken to fake it and you can fake it. And and it it actually kind of helps a little bit. So I've been faking it with the help of Don Draper and my drapering playlist. So smart. Yeah. That's such a great idea. I I did a little bit of that too. Is that your opening? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I got good segue. I did a little bit of that too because 
you know, I don't watch the news that much, but when mm-hmm. I do, I'm like curses. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boyfriend very kindly was like, you know, you should listen to more music. And he's not being like patronizing me. He's like, I know you like to listen to music. I was like, yeah, you're right. So like I'm taking medicine, I'm forcing myself and all of a sudden I'm down this rabbit hole. Mm. And I know I have the song of the week, but I don't think these songs are appropriate or as, um, you know, important to other people as it is for me. It's just Mm -hmm. random songs that I have a connection to. But I don't know. So that was fun. That's cool. But one thing I did uh, is realize there's an article that came out and who knows, it's a study. Studies can be wrong. Studies can, you know, stand the test of time. But it's called um, sexual harassment or sex harassment can make victims physically sick, Mm. studies reveal. It's in the Washington Post. And I read that and I – the second I saw the symptoms of like the blood and the blood pressure and the heart, like it actually makes your heart Mm -hmm. um, weak and your immune system down. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. because right now I'm like just revisiting some stuff from my childhood and really dealing with it. And it's taken a toll on my body. And um, it was kind of – redeeming to read that Mm -hmm. it was sad i was mad but i was like yeah 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 anyway i feel like we don't have enough of a we don't acknowledge enough in our culture that like people are like the mind-body connection but it's like so much deeper than that and i i feel like the fact that like emotional distress can make you physically sick or cause you physical pain Mm -hmm. is not something that we talk about enough or or acknowledge enough and integrate and like when you go to the doctor for pain they're like okay we'll give you painkillers or we'll you know we'll give you an mri maybe we'll do surgery it's rare that they're like let's talk about your emotional pain yeah you know what i mean and you know no you're right thank you it's i i do think about it but it's sort of nice to see it in writing yeah well it's really validating because (laughs) it's like one of those things that i feel like it's not you know you know as an individual you've experienced it like i mean just last week, I got sick and I know my I was like my immune system was compromised because I was so stressed out. Mm-hmm. And it's like I know that that happens, but I just feel like there isn't a lot of acknowledgement that that is a. Yeah, it's just nice to be validated by a study and yeah. by scientists who are like, yes, we have studied this. This is a real thing. Yeah. And I think I ranted about this to you maybe offline. I don't think I did in the show, but here's the thing. When somebody who maybe was sick over the holidays and then they get a stomach bug, which, by the way, I gave it to Alex. You're welcome. Mm. Um, He was so sick. Oh, man. He had the exact same symptoms. I was, like, counting down, and then in two hours, it's going to happen. And then in four hours, this is going to happen. But it was great because I'd already gone through it, so I was able to help him. Nice. Um, But one thing I hate, because I got this from somebody, but this is not the first time I've heard a thing like this. Oh, yeah, I got, you know, this stomach bug. Ooh, you get sick a lot. Didn't you just get sick? How is that an observation that's, it's like, yes, and what are you implying? I don't take care of myself. What the fuck is wrong with you? I hate that. Yes, I've gotten sick before. Yeah. It's like, are you like keeping track? Like, why are you keeping track of like how often I get sick? Or do you have a solution for me? Right. Why tell me this? Yeah. It's so, I don't know why it bothers me so much, um, but it's so... Not even condescending, but putting it labeling you or putting you in a a category. Yeah, and I I feel like there's also an insinuation that there it's like somehow a personal failing. You know that like you're weak or something. Like uh, sometimes, like when the period of time in my life when I was getting migraines a lot, and I would like occasionally I would tell someone I had a migraine or I just had one, they'd be like again, and Mm -hmm. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, motherfucker, Mm -hmm. again. Like yeah, what? Yeah, they they come back. And, you know, I've had so many doctors, usually men, um, but definitely women as well, say, oh, you know, yeah, well, it's on your head. Mm. Well, yeah. And my massage therapist person, who's amazing, explained to me like, yeah, it can be psychosomatic, but that's still something. Yeah, it's still, it's, you still feel the pain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it affects the body. She's like, your feelings affect your body. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a story, full stop. Full stop. Yeah. I feel like there's this thing where we're like, like the idea that it's all in your head means that if you could just stop being so stressed out, like your pain would go away. But it's like not, it's not that. It's not that like you're inventing the fact that you have pain. It's that like you have emotional distress and Mm -hmm. that causes a physical manifestation of pain or whatever your like chronic condition is. And I, like when I was a kid growing up, I had these stomach aches, like I chronic stomach pain. Me too. And I was like, oh, I'm, like definitely dying of something and it turned out no like it's it's like how my anxiety manifested yes because as a little kid my it was like my my mind's 
defense mechanism was to like make it manifest as a stomach ache, which is something where you can like go to your parents and be like, my tummy hurts. I want to get in bed or mm-hmm. I need to stay home from school. Whereas as a little kid, you don't have the vocabulary to be like, I'm anxious and filled with existential dread. Mm-hmm. Take care of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also, um, you know, I do have an explanation of why I got sick so quickly. It's, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening with my body and I think my immune system down. I also am around about 500 people a day and in a theater company where we, you know, we touch things like we're there's so many of us. It's it's not that hard, but also on a, you know, my own personal level, like I know that is taking a toll on the stuff I'm going through right now in therapy and Mm -hmm. things that are like, whoa, mind blowing and taking stock of my my posture and why I react physically to Mm -hmm. things. It's really fucking mind blowing. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I don't have a small card that says all that, nor is it anyone's business. So right. there is a reason. But, like, I'm not going to tell you. Fuck yourself. What it's if there a, is a reason? such a shitty thing to say. Yeah. What's a good comeback for that? I don't know. It depends on the person, too, right? Like, yeah. I see it. Some of my friends have said, like, oh, but you just ha- you just got sick. And that's a caring thing. Right, right, right. Like, oh, that sucks for you. That's different. Right, right, right. What do you think? Well, you get sick a lot <laughs> is so obnoxious. That would make it's me want to so be obnoxious. like, you no, mind other people's businesses a lot. Although probably don't use – business doesn't have to be plural. Yeah. <laughs> you mind you, you mind should, my business a lot. Like, you know, yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, wh- like what is the retort that makes the person realize that's like a shitty thing to say? Um, I don't know. But I think in my fantasy world, I was dying to be like, okay, any suggestions? What are you doing so well? Yeah. What's your, what's your health yeah. plan that I'm not doing? Right. Yeah. Like, what is your magic? But the problem with saying that is uh, then they're, they're going to give you their health they're plan. They're going to be like green juice and yoga. <laughs> oh, God. And then you have to throw something at them. No offense to green juice and yoga. I think that- um, Oh, I, lo- I, I love green juice. I don't want to go down like a tea- I don't want to go down the tea path. <laughs> those those tea people, they're serious, and I respect that. Yeah, but green juice and yoga are fine. I actually don't like green juice really? or yoga, but I think it's totally great that other people do. Not a fan well, of yoga, fan of green juice. The good thing about green juice, if you throw some pineapple <laughs> in it, <laughs> here's the thing about green juice. I'm glad we finally are getting to this, Catherine. <laughs> if you throw some pineapple in it, I'm okay. But I don't, I don't want to drink a vegetable. I do. Okay. But I hear you. I, I respect that. I have a Vitamix that is supposed to make all these things for me. I'm so scared of it. Yeah. I haven't even like touched. I walk by it and like stare at it like it's a dog <laughs> behind a crate. I'm like, hi. Hey. I know because it's like a pretty uh, intense machine. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's an intimidating machine. Yeah. When it cleans itself, I just watch. It's amazing. Like, yeah, I know. And you can make soups in it, I hear. Yeah. And you can, um, you can do juicing. You can do everything. Can do it everything. actually makes soup hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. My old roommate had one and How? you like make the soup and it like heats it up. How? I've made like um my own nut butter in those before. Yeah. And I that's have to. like pretty legit. Yes, I made um almond butter. Nice. Gosh. You guys, anyway. We should probably talk about a thing we did for self-care. Why not? Shall we? And now <laughs> Wow, that was really an answer. And now a thing <laughs> And now a thing we did for self-care. It's my carrot and voice. I, I love it. Thank it's, you. It's really good. Um should I go or do you want to go? Um, I will go. Yeah, go for And it. I wrote about this in the secret Facebook group. Mm. We do oh, yeah. a self-care roundup every Friday, which I both look forward to and dread because, mm-hmm. oh shit, what I do for self-care yeah, this totally. week, you know what I mean? I don't want to be that person who isn't the example of the things they preach. Who does that? <laughs> so, <laughs> you guys. It's fine. It's, it's the end of the day. Oh, man. We're loopy. Oh, uh, it's so weird when every woman you meet is crazy. Isn't it weird? It is weird. It's just such a weird coincidence that every person you date or meet is crazy. Like two of one. What? <laughs> it's like, what are the odds? <laughs> oh, boy. So <laughs> I did I did open a conversation. I've been wanting to have my therapist about money, and I started to cry because I didn't realize how much mm. was weighing on me. I'm having a really hard time paying for it right now mm. because, you know, I just... It's a lot of money. It's a lot of fucking money. Um, And I'm on sliding scale, but I thought I could do it. And it's just, but I need it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really like her. So I'm like about to cry now. And we ended the therapy session with that. And she's like, great, we can pick this up. And now I'm like relieved, Mm. but also like nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but that's that's good. That's good that you brought it up. I mean, that's like, I feel like the biggest obstacle for me anyway in therapy is like, bringing up so i've had that money conversation mm-hmm. too once you get it out in the open though i felt it relieved so much better huge weight off my back nice yeah well what done you, what about you i um i called a friend on friday night um I, t- I texted a friend and i was like can you talk can we can we like talk irl because i just really needed to like 
I basically needed her advice. You mean in person or on phone? Um, well, I meant in person. And she was like, yeah, maybe sometime mid next week. Because that was like the sooner she was busy. I was like, phone is fine because I need to talk to you right now. Oh, okay. Um, and so we talked. And I basically was like, I had like a single question for her. And I, I just like wanted her advice about something. But as I was like giving her context for what I was asking her advice about, she was like addressing the entire thing. Like, I know I'm being sort of vague. It's not, I don't mean to be like uh, opaque, but it's like too much. It's too long to get into. It's not interesting. Um, but in, in just like listening to me give like background to this thing, she gave me, she like contextualized it in this awesome way. And she was like, she, she just gave me a new perspective. Huh. And I always, it's like, I know, like, it's like on paper, it's like, I get it. Like, talk to friends, they help you, they make you feel better. Like, that's why friends are great, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But in practice, I don't usually reach out. Like, I, I usually just kind of keep it to myself. Mm. And this time I reached out, I was like, very explicitly, like, I need you right now. <laughs> and yeah. it really helped. I feel like you do ask for help, but I, I understand that there's times where I think it's easier to be alone. Or, yeah. I mean, like yeah. if someone, like if you ask me like, how are you, what's going on? I tell you, or, you know, like we check in and stuff, but mm -hmm. like, I don't usually like, I don't know. Like I, I reached, I, I, I reached out to her being like, I need you to like help me solve this specific problem, which yeah. is like not a thing I usually do because I don't, I, you like forget that other people have, like skills and experience to bring that is different than yours. And so maybe they can solve a problem like that feels unsolvable to you. Yeah. They can like help you see it in a new way. Yeah. It was just, it was just great. And like just a huge weight off my shoulders. Yeah. I, yeah, I am in a, I'm facing a big anniversary of a big breakup mm. that happened. that really just still makes me sad. And I remember the couple of days before I called my best friend, she was mad at me because I bailed on her for something else. Mm. Um, but I was going through it. And so she was kind of like making fun. She's like, well, I guess I can hang out with you tonight, but I, I might have plans or whatever. And I just started crying and Aww. I said, I need to talk to you about, and she's like, oh, I'll be there in like 10 minutes, you Aww, know? Yeah. But uh, I was thinking about that when you really need it, it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's good to have that resource. It's good to have friends like that. I know. I know. I've been thinking lately about like how many people have like come through for me and just been like, how are you? I'm thinking of you, mm. which you've been doing a lot. Like just, it makes you just feel like you have people on your side yeah. which is just delightful well, I learned that from you you check in a lot you're oh. like here's a gift I'm a big checker in her you're good at it because <laughs> you don't ask how things are going because I hate when like oh, do I have to respond right not to you I mean, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean uh, as opposed to just hey here's a corgi it's like yeah. yeah I know occasionally I'll text someone and be like hey how are you doing and as soon as I hit send I'm like that's not a good mm. question to ask right now yeah <laughs> you know no but you're good at that so that's good I'm glad I'm glad. Thank you. Have a new perspective. All right. So shall we get to, oh, we have a listener feedback. Yeah, we do. This is from Montag who wrote in uh, and they say this email is about two of the stories you had on episode 126 mm. and some suggestions I had for these people. They say for email one about starting your own business, Queen of Swords says she's artsy and interested in tarot. Maybe she would consider combining those two by drawing a new tarot deck. I think that the traditional deck kind of looks a bit stodgy, but the most modernist deck, which they say is called Golden Thread deck, and then they link to it, huh. keeps only the heraldry of the card and loses some of the stories that are depicted on the traditional deck. Also, Queen of Swords expressed concern that they wouldn't be accepted in academia as a tarot reader. I'm doing a science PhD, and so far, most people are pretty open-minded. I don't believe for a second that tarot has occult properties, like being able to predict the future, but I totally get behind the idea that the cards represent common storytelling archetypes and themes, and that seeing these themes in random combinations is a layer of abstraction that helps us tell slash understand our own stories more easily. After all, tools like this exist for creative types already. I even made a card deck where I break video games down into discrete elements, playthinker.com, with the hope that randomly drawing a bunch of cards will lead to novel ideas for games. Mm. It's the same deal as far as I'm concerned. That was all like super interesting. Yes. And then they say one other thing. Um, for email three, how to handle a breakup and betrayal, one of Kate's suggestions was to write the ex's name on a piece of paper and release it by burning it. There's a digital equivalent of this. It's a small free game called Effigy. 
and it's patchydollgames.itch.io slash effigy. Um, the way it works is that you take all of the photos and screenshots and stuff that come from your ex and you move them to the game's shoebox, a subfolder in the game's install location. The game puts you in front of a fire with a virtual shoebox full of the photos and you take as much time as you need to pick them up, look them over, and then put them in the fire. I did this and it was far more meaningful than just pressing delete. I When I first read this, my mind exploded and I, I just want to start throwing things out. Totally. You know, yeah. just because of this. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Um, their tip about like the, the way they think of tarot cards, I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And also this effigy thing is dope. So I want yeah. to make sure we read that. Yeah. No, that's great. Thank you for, for writing that, Montag. Yeah. Thanks, Montag. Much appreciated. So let's get to email number one. This person uh, needs a name. Yeah, they do. What universe are we in? I'm still in Riverdale. Oh, I can't think of a good reason not to stick with Riverdale. I mean, honestly. Honest. Yeah. So have we named anyone? Hmm. How about um, the snakes? What is this? The serpents? Oh, yeah, the serpents. Mm, I don't know. Some people might not want to be a serpent. What about um, Weatherby? Oh, yes. That's a good one, right? Yes. Just because it's just a Who's great Weatherby word. Again? Weatherby is the principal. Although, yes. is, is Weatherby the principal in the show? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Either way, that's okay. a great name. Weatherby, I'll read this. Great. Okay. Greetings, Kate and Sally. Uh, I'm still rocking. Oh, they already uh, wrote in before, by the way. Um, so this is a second time, right? Cool. I'm still rocking the open marriage and loving it. I'm still living at the nice new apartment and not planning on moving anytime soon. I'm still working nine to five, coaching people with developmental disabilities all over the place and driving an average of 30 to 50 miles a day in Seattle traffic. I have my own girlfriend now. And for the first month, I was in a weird emotional limbo. I hate to say I'm not attracted to her physically, but we share a ton of interests and kinks, so I really do enjoy hanging out with her. I still can't pin down whether I love her more as a lover or as a friend. I recently asked her to make our official status be friends with benefits, and she was okay with it, but an irrational part of my brain is afraid I'm denying the affection she obviously craves. I made progress in my novel, and both my husband and girlfriend have been wonderfully supportive. I should be proud of any progress I make in that direction, but most days it's like pulling teeth. I once described it as pulling a thread out of my head so I could weave it into a tapestry, but I only get a few inches per day. It's a slow, painful process, but one I could never give up without losing a part of myself. More people have left my job than they have been able to hire, so I'm at nearly double the caseload, and I'm not the only one floundering under the pressure. It's like working 13 different jobs every week, zipping from one to the next with barely any time for a break. I'm having trouble sleeping through the night, and I'm constantly forgetting things both at work and at home. I really want to look for something else, probably involving going back to school and aiming for special ed teaching. My girlfriend really wants to help with that and encourage me to apply to the city university. What keep stopping me is the guilt of leaving clients who really need and love me and leaving my coworkers to pick up the slack. On top of all of this, I'm plagued by a feeling I haven't been able to shake since grade school. The utterly idiotic idea that, quote, I'm not as good as I think I am, unquote, keeps popping up all the time to the point that I half joke I suffer from imposter syndrome. I tell myself there's plenty of evidence that I'm doing just fine, both at work and in my relationships, but my stupid lizard lizard brain keeps insisting that I'm living in a house of cards and it will all come crashing down soon. Every time I forget some inconsequential thing like canceling a work shift for the holidays, I end up beating myself up emotionally long after the situation has been rectified. It seems like I'm constantly playing catch up and I'm worried I'll burn out if I don't do something, but I have no idea what I even need. No big question, but your thoughts and feelings appreciate. Thank you. Weatherby. Okay, Weatherby, thanks for writing in. Um, so I you talked about your stupid lizard brain, but I actually think that like when when we feel like we're stuck in patterns that we can't break, even though they don't feel totally rational, and like we're stuck in ways of thinking that don't feel like they match what we're actually going through. I don't know how much it is like your stupid lizard brain and how much it is some other stuff that's going on with you emotionally that you need to sort of um, dig through and unpack a little bit to understand what is going on for you in that situation. And everyone get out your bingo cards (laughs) because I would suggest that you go to therapy. Because (laughs) I think that, you know, the, when I think about how I would like to explain therapy to a Martian who came to earth, I would be like, it's for when you find yourself in these patterns over and over again Mm. and they feel 
like they're not healthy for you and they also feel somewhat irrational, but you don't know what to do about them. That that is what therapy helps with. So mm. I just think that this is like perfect to to kind of understand that particular thing. I totally get like beating yourself up. I think everyone does it here and there, but it sounds like it's um you're like you said, it's happening. You're doing it for long after the situation has been rectified. So I definitely think that's that's something worth um looking into. Um, I just want to say one other thing before I throw it to you, Catherine, mm. which is that um, you said you're what's stopping you from looking for a new job mm-hmm. or going to the city, applying to the city university is the guilt of leaving clients who really need and love me and leaving my coworkers to pick up the slack. I think that um, I get that the guilt around leaving coworkers, but that's just what happens in jobs. And like, I feel guilty, work through those feelings and like figure out how to, you know, make yourself understand that that is what happens in jobs and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that in terms of like leaving clients who need and love you, I also think it's okay to leave them. But I think that that is like a stickier process of um, like learning how, like basically processing that separation and Mm -hmm. that loss um it's a process for you it's a process for them and i think that that is something that probably i don't think that it's it means that it's something you should avoid or never do but i think it's the kind of thing that you have to put emotional energy into figuring out how to do in a way that works for you Mm. and in a way that works for them yeah well well put yeah and and i really like what you said about the brain the brain actually learns and memorizes behavior and the grooves actually get deeper they found Mm -hmm. in studies and a lot of times um like uh, sobriety programs, they say three weeks of this because that is the first time the brain can start to ungroove or mm. something like mm. that. You can actually retrain your brain. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm not one of those people that writes on Twitter like, just just be happy. I'm like <laughs> totally going to be zen and be like, hey, you, be happy. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are ways to address it and stop the cycle from continuing because there comes a point where everything seems normal like that. Totally. And I read this and I want to say, first off, I don't think you said this in this email, but uh, this is something that I think about and I hear from other people. They say, I don't want to complain. I have a job. I have a good life. I don't want to complain. Yeah, you can complain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. This is not the Olympics of emotions. It's it's more that you have every right to be as happy as you can and just live as much as you can to your the potential you want or the place you want to be. And if anything's stopping you, it's just you. And that's okay. But it's okay to say I'm unhappy or I want this or that. Uh, also going to the clients and the guilt of leaving. Um, you know, you're going to have to at some point anyway. It's unfortunate, but you can't let that be the reason that you don't do something for yourself. Um, So also therapy, obviously. And sometimes it helps to just do something different so you have a different perspective, kind of like what you were saying about calling a friend. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about Mm. um, when I first went on antidepressants. This is not at all what I'm saying for you to do, uh, whether it be, but this is important. I was in such a rut where I could not get out of it. And Mm -hmm. it got to the point where... When, when a therapist says, Fine, you know, here's a psychiatrist number, like they're serious. Mm-hmm. She's like, I really need you to consider this. And I kept being like, but I'll just exercise. I'll just start. And she's like, if you can't get out of bed, you can't exercise. Mm-hmm. Going on antidepressants was mind blowing because one day I, I just I had the right medication. I did some tests and things. It takes some months to kick in or weeks. And it's like when you. Uh, unfog a mirror and everything's clearer. Mm. I literally was watching myself Mm. and going, oh, this is what it's like Mm. to not have these feelings. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just need a reminder. And I ended up being on them for four years and tapering off and off and on sense of other things. But that was, I will never forget that feeling of, right, okay, I can look at this differently. Mm -hmm. And I don't know a good way to do that for you specifically, but even if it's something like take a walk, you know, or, um, just take an afternoon to yourself or do something different, but it's different out there. I think you 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 need to make a little bit of a change in your life so that you can see what mm-hmm. you can you can do. Yeah, and don't feel guilty about anything. Um, and hey, the, the the girlfriend part. Should we get to that real quick? Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. I mean, I was just gonna say that uh, so long as you're very very honest with her, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, me. I don't know if you want to say you're not attracted to her. I don't know if that's a <laughs> nice thing to say, but it sounds to me like you made it very clear that this is not a major thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, the thing I was going to say about that is that um, 
you said an irrational part of my brain is afraid I'm denying her the affection she obviously craves. And then you talked about your lizard brain later thinking about things that go against like feeling things that go against like evidence. And it's just really interesting because I feel like every we all have like a story about mm-hmm. ourselves. And I feel like the story I'm getting from this email is that like you feel like you have you you have irrational reactions that you shouldn't be having. And I think it's important to that we all like notice when we're feeling a way that doesn't feel like it necessarily mm-hmm. like it's a, it isn't like congruous with what is actually happening. But I also would just like remind you to be like a little bit kinder to yourself because I I think that it's 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 as Catherine has said before, there's no such thing as having like an unreasonable reaction. Like if you have the reaction, it is reasonable. And you said you 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 said that um, this idiotic idea keeps popping up. And I just I think that thinking that you're irrational is like a slippery slope to like thinking you're an idiot. And like I just I think it you end up getting into this like self uh, negative like self talk like spiral. Mm. And um, I'm not trying to like admonish you or I, like I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I'm just like pointing out that like you're story about yourself is like that you're irrational and you need to be more rational and that's totally cool but also be be kind to yourself as you you know figure out your feelings and and stuff and also it does sound like your job is like just actually structurally not sustainable the way it is so like sometimes people write in to us and um or whatever not even people are into us like in life it's like everything's overwhelming and i can't deal and then you like look at your life and it's like well it's structurally not overwhelming mm-hmm. it just like feels that way which is also fine but it sounds like um in your job situation is actually like on paper in a very real way not sustainable and i i think that no matter how tight your self-care game is there's like no amount of self-care that can make up for having a job situation that isn't like sucking you dry Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with that because, you know, what Sally said, Mm -hmm. Um, I think my thing is uh, overreacting. There's no such thing. It's just reacting. Oh, that's right. That's what you say. Um, I like misquoted you. No, no, you quoted me correctly. You made it sound a lot better, actually. But um, (laughs) as far as the way you're basically saying, I know I should feel this way, but I don't. Well, then you don't feel that way about someone. And, you know, I, I actually know that feeling. I started dating someone, I didn't realize I wasn't like all that into them other than friends. And it's like, yeah, then, you know, maybe just be friends or Mm -hmm. whatever. Or if you want to be friends with benefits and they're okay with it, guess what? You did that. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. You're nailing it. You're nailing it. Yeah. So don't feel guilty. You're straight crushing it. You're like, you know what? I don't feel this way. And I'm going to say it and be honest. You are such a good, honest person. I mean, I don't know you personally, but from everything I've seen, you care a lot about the people Mm -hmm. around you. I want you to take a little bit about a little bit of that and care about yourself. That's it. That's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend. Totally. And be like, hey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Like, of course. You're, you're, I'll, I'll do it first. Hey, you're doing all right. Yeah. You're doing A-OK. Take care of you. Try new things. Yeah. Go to therapy. Yeah. Don't feel beholden to a job that hasn't hired people, by the way. Like what the, yeah. that is really on That's them. That's the other thing too. Like we definitely have a problem in our culture. I keep yes. saying like our culture as if that isn't like a totally vague and huge amorphous I thing think to say. American but, work culture yeah. specifically though. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, like where we feel beholden to companies and workplaces when they don't feel beholden to us nope you know they're not taking care of you right whether be it's like yeah like they're giving you money to do a job like that's as far as your relationship goes it sounds to me like they are now making you do quadruple the work Mm -hmm. for the same money yeah which guess what a lot of companies do that a lot of places even hospitals it's it's terrible man Mm. they're not taking care of you yeah. Yeah. Now we're now what we're going to unionize them? you. Yes. Now we're now we're pissed. Now we're fucked. <laughs> now it's on. But uh, I guess this is all to say that um you it sounds to me like you are absolutely aware of the things that you need to do and you're not doing them and that's sort of the block. Mm-hmm. So try to figure out why you're blocked. Mm-hmm. Try little things every day that are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, and and therapy or counseling if you can. Yeah. And just yeah. Take care of you. Yeah, take care of you. For a second. Weatherby. Yeah. All right. So I guess email number two. Do we have a name? We can name them again. Yeah, we need a name. <gasps> you have it pulled up, right? Um, I uh, the. I don't remember anyone's name in that show. Well, let's go with uh, Jughead. Jughead. Why not? Yes. Can't go wrong with Jughead. Oh gosh, Skeet Ulrich is his dad. The show is getting really weird, Sally. It's getting really <laughs> it's weird. Getting really isn't weird. it? Isn't it weird that these teen heartthrobs when we were younger are now like the parents? It's a lot to process. 
Luke Perry is just Luke Perry. He's a, he will he never is. not be Luke Perry. He went. He's now he's a hot dad. I cannot get over the fact is that he he's though? he's a Delph. Yeah. Well, I think so. Oh, look, I I'm not I'm not in the business of um, rating dads, <laughs> rating middle aged men's attractiveness. But I feel like he he is a, is a, a hot dad. No, I mean he's supposed to be the hot dad compared right. to the other dads in Riverdale. Hello, right. He's he's the hottest dad in Riverdale, but he, I guess the bar is pretty low. Hottest dad in Riverdale. <laughs> so. By the way, the song came in my head when you were talking. It's a raiding men. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Sally's raiding men. I listened to that at the um at the gym this morning. Great. It's a really good workout it's song. It's a great song. And I'm going to use one of your songs from your list for the song of the week. Yes. So at some point, pull it up so okay. I can see. Amazing. All right. Finally. Hey, email number two is from Jughead. This is from Jughead. Jughead. Um, <clears throat> I'm reading it, right? Uh, no, you just oh, read no, the last that's one. right. I sure did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just a quick content note. This email mentions emotional abuse, weight loss, PTSD, and death in an uh, uh, auto accident. Mm. Okay. Hi, Kate and Sally. I'm a 37-year-old straight cis man with no kids for a little context. First, a little backstory. My younger brother was killed in 2013 in a bad car crash. He was 29. We had a wonderful, loving, trusting, and close relationship. The grieving process has been long and complicated, and it's not over. I am in therapy, and I think I'm dealing with that okay. In the wake of his death, my then-girlfriend, now ex-wife, we'll call her Elle, became increasingly emotionally abusive. Looking back on our nearly nine-year relationship, I can identify red flags that came up before my brother was killed. I dismissed them due to the fact that she had an extremely traumatic childhood, and at that time, she was genuinely trying to work on herself. I believe my brother's death triggered her, pre her PTSD from her childhood. Her dad was also killed in a motorcycle crash when she was two. Her abuse of me escalated from tantrums over small things that ended in me almost always apologizing and her gaslighting me to her throwing and breaking things and threatening to harm herself. Because she never hit me, it's easy for me to downplay the abuse simply as differing arguing styles. We got into couples therapy and that helped somewhat. Usually, however, I usually felt a lot of that boiled down to how I could better assuage her anger. We just kind of stopped putting effort into our relationship and the onus was on me to try to mend past hurts. Meanwhile, I never got any apologies for any of the pain and agony she put me through. As many abused people do, I asked her to marry me in hopes that would fix things. <laughs> Spoiler, it didn't. She abandoned me in spectacular fashion for another man after only six months of marriage. This was nearly two years ago, uh, April 2016, and she is still drawing out the divorce process. I have very strong resentments towards her. Before my brother was killed, Elle and I opened our relationship to dating and having sex with outside partners. This went pretty well for a while, but Elle usually chased off and kind of abused my closest partners, except for one, and this is where I get to the present day. There was one outside partner, let's call her T, who managed to fly under the radar. T and I started dating more seriously soon after Elle and I separated. We had been dating and just hanging out off and on since before my brother was killed. So she wasn't a stranger when we started dating seriously soon after my separation. We really hit it off. We have a lot in common, a lot of differences, and we are comfortable together. Except for a brief period at the beginning of our relationship, T and I have been monogamous. I made sure to have plenty of time to myself, got into therapy, and we lived apart for about a year and a half of serious dating before moving in together a couple of months ago. The move has gone pretty well. We've had a couple of fights that we were able to resolve in a few deep processing talks. We generally get along pretty well. Sex has lessened a little, but it is still pretty regular at about once a week, and good to great sex at that. Pretty normal for newly cohabitating, right? However, I think some things have been triggering some PTSD that I have from my marriage and my brother's death. I am more physically affectionate than T in general, and she tends to withdraw when she is sick or busy. She's been both over the past month. Her being less affectionate partially stems from some childhood traumas and body image issues too. So that can be a reason that she is feeling less affectionate on some days. I've brought up my fears and insecurities regarding physical affection and sex, and she's always willing to talk about it and hear me out. She has confided in me that she's dated a lot of jerks in the past that she knew would just dump her before the sex had a chance to get stale. The last boyfriend that she lived with, which was several years ago, was a good guy as far as she says, and they eventually stopped having sex altogether. 
I've asked her what they tried to do about this, and she said they didn't really address the issue. This time with me, she's willing to work on it and get back in therapy, which is tough on our budget. Neither of us feels like we have the emotional capacity to open up our relationship at this point, but we are keeping it on the table as a topic of discussion be, uh, should it turn out our sex drives just don't jive. Basically, I feel heard with T, and I trust her that she wants to work on this stuff with me. Encouraging. Also, she is pretty affectionate with me, despite how I may have presented it. It's just less than I want, and I'd be remiss to say there isn't a dash of some male entitlement here. Despite all that, I think it's still very triggering for me, and my view of my relationship with T is is distorted as a result. For a few months before my ex-wife left, she withdrew pretty much all affection from me. She would also regularly give me the silent treatment until I apologized to her after she blew up at me for some inane reason. So when T withdraws for what appear to be valid reasons, I begin to feel very afraid, anxious, lonely, hopeless, rejected, etc. I'm scared that maybe I've jumped the gun and moved in with her prematurely and we will end up in yet another sexless relationship currently not at all the case, or that T will abandon me in the same fashion despite reassurances that she won't and that she loves me dearly. I'm also obsessing that maybe I've gotten into another abusive relationship and don't know it yet. I doubt this is the case, but I have been anxiously obsessing about all this over the past week. Note, I'm also freshly off smoking pot and freshly on antidepressants, and I realize both can be feeding into what I'm feeling this week. I had a trauma-free childhood, so dealing with PTSD is a new thing for me. So I dismiss it and beat myself up for overreacting. Just writing this out has been a helpful process, and any and all advice is appreciated. I really want to learn how to get through the normal ups and downs of a generally healthy relationship without feeling like a bundle of anxious nerves that is paralyzed by the fear of another rejection. I think I remember being able to do that at one point. <laughs> Jughead. Ah, oh, Jughead. I real. I'm so glad you wrote in. This is a really a lot of great topics to hit on. Real quick, first of all, trauma-free childhood, I hear what you're saying, but everyone's got a little things that they learned from. So just heads up, be aware that looking into your childhood is important as a way to see how you deal with things now. Totally. Um, even if you didn't have anything major or major happen, you're still, you still learned how to behave, how to talk, how to have conversations with people, ask questions, take care of yourself, take care of others. You learn all that in your childhood. So for whatever reason that, you know, you... um some of the things that you're doing now, maybe you should investigate that in therapy. So don't don't feel bad about going there and beat yourself up for overreacting. There is no such thing. Mm -hmm. We already said that. Um, it sounds to me like you are very concerned and anxious about this relationship. And I will tell you right now, this week, I actually had a uh, didn't happen. It doesn't happen often, but I had one of those former relationship fears in my current relationship, mm -hmm. which I pinpointed immediately started working on therapy and it's it happens it mm -hmm. happens you were with this person for nine years is that correct yeah i think so yeah yeah this is a big relationship that it's hard not to compare to new ones mm -hmm. i do it all the time even though you know um it's not necessary every relationship's different and every person's different but it sounds like you're very very aware of that and you're second guessing everything because that's the only other experience you know mm -hmm. about the moving in together and the um, uh, the not wanting to be affectionate when she's sick or busy. You know, I don't know how big your living situation is, but as someone who also works from home and their partner works from home, we have to sort of figure out a schedule and things because when I'm working, I don't want to like have him be like, hey, baby, you know what I mean? And when I'm sick, I don't want to be touched, too. But it, it's nothing to do with my partner. But when you live together in close quarters, you're also a person mm -hmm. who is not happy every single day. Or, you know, it, there's moments that people just want to be left alone or just need to work or focus on things. So I'm glad that you can be clear. It sounds like you guys are really communicating, and that's so important. But before I throw it to Sally, um, overall, and there's a lot to discuss here, it sounds to me like you have really, really been through a tough time. Um, don't discount this, you know, this death and the divorce and the abuse in your last relationship. That is a lot. Um, but I will say, I can't make any promises, but I can say for sure that your current partner is not your former partner. Um, would there be something that maybe you are used to that is inviting a certain behavior? I don't know. I'd investigate that in therapy, but relationships are complicated, but your partner is not your old partner. Mm -hmm. So just throwing that out there first. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So, okay, Jughead. Um, I think that learning how to 
yeah, how to get through the normal ups and downs of a generally healthy relationship. I know it doesn't feel like that's what you're actually doing right now, but I do think that is what you are doing because you're in the relationship, you're coping with it, you're in therapy. Like you're, I, I, that is what dealing with the ups and downs of a relationship looks like, you know? Um, and I think that when you, when your most recent relationship and was all, was really long and also emotionally abusive and also tied up at a time in your life when you lost when mm. you know when someone close to you died i i think it, it i i would be like so surprised and weirded out if you weren't experiencing like triggers that made you feel anxious and lonely and afraid and rejected so everything that is happening with you i think sounds like part of someone who is like actively engaged in a process of um, coping with past trauma and, you know, trying to make sure that that doesn't kind of um, torpedo the stuff you have going on now. So I think that, I mean, maybe this isn't what you want to hear, but you kind of sound like you're crushing it um, mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of like, in terms of like how you're dealing with things. Um, and I think that those fears of like, oh my God, did I move in too early? Am I in the same relationship I was in last time? I think like, all of that is also very that makes a lot of sense that those questions would be like popping up. So in terms of like being worried that past patterns are repeating themselves, I think that I don't know if this is true, but I think it's true that when you're so aware of something that you're afraid it's happening, I feel like <laughs> that is like a good indication that's probably not happening. Yeah. Um, and also you're in therapy and I, I feel like, you know, therapists don't usually break the fourth wall and say like, Hey, I really need to like tell you about yourself, mm -hmm. but they do help guide you to a place where you would come to see that you are in the same situation you were in before. So I think you can like trust your therapist. If you trust your therapist generally, I think you can trust them on that count. And also, I don't know if you've already talked about this in therapy, but like basically everything you said, I think it's really helpful when you tell your therapist, not just stuff that's going on with you, mm. but what your thought process is about the stuff that's going on with you. Because I think like that's when, maybe that's like obvious, I don't know, but like I, I think that like making it clear that you have these fears um, will would will be good because they'll help you like really sort through them. Mm. Um, there's another thing I wanted to say. Oh, in terms of like the thing of like wanting more affection than you're getting, um, it sounds like you have a lot of self awareness about that. Um, that is like I think one of those things that like you have to like work out with your partner in your relationship because. I don't think everyone I, I feel like it's rare that like all parties are like equally interested in giving and receiving affection, mm. whether I'm not sure if you mean if you're just talking about sex, if you're talking about like all physical affection. But either way, like I, I think that um, it's totally cool to be calibrated differently in that way. Um, and I think that it's just going to require some like figuring, I mean, you know, whatever, some people are like ultimately decide that they're like not compatible, but you know, because like one person needs a thing that the other person doesn't or mm -hmm. doesn't want to give or can't give. But, um, I, I just think that it, it, it sometimes is just a process that you have to work out and figure out. And I think sometimes that it doesn't become apparent that you need to do that until you've been with the person for a while and you're living together. Because I do think that like kind of changes things because now you're like involved in each other's like daily routines mm -hmm. and like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would, it sounds like you have a pretty like open dialogue about it. And I would just, you know, continue to have an open dialogue. And I know it's stressful on your budget for your partner to go to therapy too, but that's probably like a really good use of mm -hmm. money. Yeah. Uh, everything you said is, is, Perfect. And I'm going to tell you right now, um, what was the name again? Um, Jughead. 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 I, it's a marathon, not a sprint, first mm -hmm. of all. So yeah. you're healing and you're just dealing with your traumas. It's going to take some time. So go easy on yourself. Kick back. Strap in. It's going to be a ride, you know? <laughs> yeah. Make it a good one. Um, and I, too, I, I'm really big on sensing if someone's stressed and then assuming it's all my fault, right? Mm -hmm. So... I actually can share with you a little exercise I do mm. that I learned in therapy. Um, we came up with it together, my therapist and I, of, okay, do you, do you trust your partner? I'm guessing yes. When your partner tells you something, believe them. Mm -hmm. That's it. If they're like, you know what, I have body and get ashamed. Yeah, that's it. Just acknowledge that. It's not about you. 
keep going forward. Mm -hmm. So I like to challenge myself whenever I do feel anxious or, but what if this, but what if that? Because literally every moment in my relationship, I'm convinced they're going to leave me Mm -hmm. because like my dad disappeared. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple, but (laughs) I'm never going to not feel that I feel. So what I'm starting doing is, is just say, okay, that that's the answer. That's the fact. Uh, Believe them. It's not you. And I start challenging myself to then just move on to the next topic mm-hmm. or go grab a book or something yeah. and move away from feel like physically move away from being like, you know, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. And it isn't. And yeah. now it, it's, yeah, it's really working out well between Alex and I because we are, you know, we're listening to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's so important not to project your stuff onto your partner. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. But try try little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, that just that reminded me of like two things that are kind of related that helped me in the situation where um, it, I'll be afraid something is happening and I'll be like, um, <laughs> I'll be like, the, you know, not not like it's usually that I'm talking to Andrea and I'm like being like, this is the situation that's happening with these people or this person's doing this thing to me and it feels mm. really bad and I'm really upset. And she'll be like, like why do you think that that's happening? And I'm like, and I, and I have like a million reasons. I'm like, look at And, and, and she's like, the thing is it's like too perfect because what you're afraid is happening. Like what you think you're perceiving happening lines up with like every fear and insecurity you have. And it's just like it, what are the odds that like, Mm -hmm. you know, like every insecurity you have and then every like sub insecurity you have, (laughs) like, all of the that all of those things are coming true at the same time and that like she said that to me like many times the first time she did it it like blew my mind because I'm like you're right it is too perfect Mm -hmm. like I am like putting I'm like projecting onto the situation and sometimes when you feel these feelings of like whatever they are like anger or sadness or rejection or whatever they feel so real that you you're like I can't be making this up like this is definitely happening but if you challenge yourself like and my therapist has done it too like I'll be like yeah so and so is doing this thing and this is probably why and he'll be like um at totally innocently like in a to- in a purely like data gathering way we'll be like oh like what is their history of treating you this way yes. like what like what 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 is the evidence that makes you think and and I'm like well, they've never acted this way and they've never like I don't think they have ever done anything to harm me or would ever. And he's like, interesting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. God damn it. You I, know, so uh, yeah. that's like another thing to, to think about. It's kind of like a variation on what you just said. Exactly. I have so many conversations with myself where it's like, Catherine, Alex said that he's not in the mood to talk because he's in a bad mood. <laughs> he told you it's not about you. Right. Now what? Right. Totally. Yeah, that's it. I have those conversations and it really helps. I feel kind of empowered every time I, I do it and then I'm, you know. He comes out and then we're in a better mood or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yay, I did yeah. it. I'm really proud of myself, to be honest. No, totally. And I think that like once you start to do it, I think it I think it gets easier, you know, because I think sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, you're really working hard to like be like, okay, like this is this isn't really happening. I'm imagining it and it's gonna be okay. And that's like it's just it's very difficult. And I think like the more you do it, it just kind of becomes second nature and you find yourself like being like, oh, like this person really does mean mm-hmm. what they say and it's totally cool. You also came from a long time abusive relationship where the person put a lot of ideas in your mm-hmm. head that you were the one at fault. Mm-hmm. So you learned from that and now we have to learn how to have a new relationship with a new person. Totally. And it's a learning process. We all do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a learning process and it is going to get, it's going to get better in like the moment that you're in mm-hmm. where um, it feels like, thing, you know, I mean, whatever, like, you know, trauma is really tough and like, you know, people can be triggered at any point in their lives, but it is really fresh for you and it's not always going to feel as fresh. I don't think. No, but, but that said, strap in, enjoy the ride, find ways to find the good and appreciate the joy your relationship brings you and acknowledge that there's a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. This is not overnight. If it was overnight, we wouldn't have a show. Yeah, I know. Right. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Life is so hard. Yes. Um, Um, No, (laughs) I just want to say Jughead also like I think it's really rad that you're in therapy and that like you said you're like chilling with the pot smoking Mm -hmm. and you're taking antidepressants. Those all sound like, you know, without putting any value um, positive or negative on smoking pot or antidepressants, it sounds like you've made intentional choices Mm -hmm. for yourself and for your own self-care. And that is fucking rad. And, uh, you sound like you're really taking care of business. Yeah. Well, listen, I have the song of the week and then I just had it in my head and I just lost it. Oh, Mm. I got it. Okay, Sally. So do you want to do the outro though? I do. Okay. So follow us on Twitter at struggle bus pod, uh, email us at struggle bus podcast at gmail.com. 
We are on Instagram at the Struggle Bus Pod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420. Um, join our super secret Facebook group. Just email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail and write Facebook in the subject line. Follow Catherine at SPK Heller. Follow me at Sally T. And it is time for the song of the yes. week. Yes. I'm just going to make sure I get the, the name right. Um, yes. Cool. All right. So. Uh, I found the song again. Okay, the, the summer of that breakup, that, the big mm. one that's coming up, the big anniversary, which mm-hmm. I'm dreading. Um, there's a song that a, a friend put on a mixtape for me. Okay. Mixtape? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It was a DVD. CD, CD. at the time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and it's from a band called The Infidels. The song is called Girl That Speaks No Words. It is so joyous Ooh. and fun and poppy and sexy. And it's this guy talk, just talking, singing about this amazing person he met and is like it's so joyful so think of think of that when you're uh, working on your nice. current relationships is remember that joy remember that feeling of like flutter and love yeah. and lust and ah uh, it, it it just it's a really fun song so i hope you like it i'll play I, you a little snippet i love a good joyful song yeah hey thank you so much for listening i'm kate i'm sally bye, bye.